You know, what is it that they're looking for and, and how does your product or service meet that need at that exact moment? So it's a sudden thing that happens, right? I mean, it can happen over time, but right. but but for sure there's there's something about, you know, that evaluation process. When they're looking at car machine and tool versus someone down the street, what is the thing that's in their mind that says, all right, well, I'm going to actually call him. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts, business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Zanger. Now, let's make some chips. Jim, I keep hearing you talk about buying a five-axis machine. When are you going to buy that machine? Well, it's on our strategic vision goal list for 2017. So I'm not going to tell you what month it is, but we're definitely moving forward. DMG is probably one of the leaders that we're looking at right now. I definitely think they're an industry 4.0 company. They've got a lot of great new things going on with their brand, and they're a leader in 5-axis CNC machining. Yeah, they have their 5-axis center of excellence, which we're going to actually be able to see at the DMG Mori Innovation Days. It's going to be cool. I can't wait to go. We're going to be there. There's going to be 30-plus machines cutting metal and um, daily seminars from industry experts. So when is it? It is Monday, May 15th through the 18th. That's Monday through Thursday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. It's about a 15-minute cruise down the expressway from O'Hare International. And how do we get registered? Makingchips.dmgmori.com. Super easy, and it's free. Hello, Metalworking Nation. My name is Jason Zenger, and this is Making Chips, where we equip and inspire manufacturing leaders and i'm here in the studio with my good friend and co-host jim carr hey Hey, jim how are you i'm great thanks how are you good and this is the second in our series of our marketing i know with the with the with the marketing maven mistress julie poulos yes but it's great back again we're back we're in lombard illinois which is a suburb of chicago in the red caffeine uh headquarters and uh, Julie's in the studio along with some of her favorite people. They're going to talk in a little bit. But um, before we get moving on... I have some big news. Oh, go. Wait, you do to... I know this? Are you going to no, shock No, me? no, no, what? no. You, it, it's my birthday in a week, so you have to buy me a present soon. Oh, God. <laughs> how about a bottle of wine? How about, if I, take how about if I buy a good bottle of wine and we'll both share it for your birthday? <laughs> Sounds good. That? I'll settle yeah. on that. Wait, <laughs> Julie just heard that. And you know how she is with Cabernet. <laughs> yeah, she's going to she's gonna want to sh- partake in the bottle of wine too. So yeah, and if there's any Making okay. Chips listeners that want to send me a gift, send it to 11132 West Grand Avenue, Melrose Park, Illinois, 60164. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure the stuff's just going to start lining up at the door. I'm going to have boxes yeah. and boxes of presents at my door. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, so I have Got some, some, yeah, I have some manufacturing, manufacturing news. news. Yeah, so this... this um, Is it robust, the manufacturing news? 
<laughs> this article really caught my attention um, just based on the title. I know that um, when you read, you only read titles, but and this one really Seriously. caught my attention. Well, but I because felt it, I had to move on from just the title, too. Right. It, not only did it have a good image, but it also had a good title. <laughs> exactly. So what attracted and you to that good article? Content. So the, the title of the article is Staying Rich Without Manufacturing Will Be Hard. I agree. And I just thought that was interesting. It just, it's basically saying that as a country, that if we want to live at the same level that we've been used to for the last, what, 100 years, mm-hmm. um, that we need to manufacture here. And I say yes. I say Absolutely. yes, too. That's, that's, that's my blood. So that's what-, what, it, what it says right here, and this is kind of a, it's kind of a thick article. It's, it's written by, um, by an economist or by um, somebody familiar with writing economist-type articles. It says, faced with this evidence about manufacturing, many skeptics will question why the sector is important at all. Why should a country specialize in making things when it can instead specialize in designing, marketing, and finance the making of things? And I thought that was interesting. And it says it's a legitimate question, but it, but it says based on the data, the um, economic data, if a country makes complex parts that are linked to many other industries, such as computers, cars, and chemicals, it will be rich. But if it makes simple products that don't have much of a supply chain, like soybeans or oil, it will stay poor. So that's, that's the, awesome. the, data, the data says a lot. You know, yeah. so that is interesting, and I know that as a country, we've moved into more of those complex parts as other countries have been able to, you know, make the more simple parts. So I thought that that was interesting, and it we is. need to continue to do that. Well, plus it's going it's going to help the family manufacturing legacy continue too. So I think that if Americans get it that we need to keep stuff here in this country, and we need to start supporting things that are made here in this country that it will certainly enrich us as a country. Yeah, absolutely. And we keep need- us wealthy and mm-hmm. keep us fruitful. Yeah, and, and in order to, you know, elevate above the where we're at right now, we need to keep educating people in how to manufacture the complex parts. We need more machinists. We need more people that know how to do programming and design and all that kind of stuff so we can make those parts here. Right, because it, it all can't be a service industry. Absolutely. Hey, Jason, did you know that the uh, episode with Eric Fogg from Machine Metrics was our most downloaded episode ever? I know. it's It's been great. I mean, I really got a lot of valuable information from Eric. I mean, I really want to see the Metalworking Nation take things to Industry 4.0, and I, I really believe that um, Machine Metrics is one component of that journey. Yeah, and not only that, he's a great guy. He's He's was a machinist. He understands he the saw struggles. A need. He saw the need. So love his product. The metalworking nation it can go. The Eric's offered up some great savings for anybody that's even interested in checking out what they can do. And if they go to machinemetrics.com forward slash making chips, sign up there and you get ten percent off. Fantastic. Awesome. Can't get that anywhere else. Big bucks. So Julie, welcome again. I love this marketing series. It's just, it's so, it's so exciting for me to talk about marketing. You know, marketing is one of my, my second favorite thing after manufacturing and, and podcasting, but, um, it's just great to have you back again. And uh, why don't you tee up, uh, these two special people that you have in the studio with us today and tell us what they're going to talk about. 
thank you so much. And gosh, we are having so much fun with this series. And it's, you know, kind of goes back to the core of why we get up in the morning is we believe that everybody, but mostly our clients stories deserve to be heard, told and love, because everybody has a great story to tell. And, you know, we really are emphatic about the manufacturing community, because you guys are the makers. And and sometimes you're just not heard. So the podcast series is really going to be great, because our whole goal is to make sure that you walk away each month with something that you can either do for yourself or learn about. So as you're trying to develop your own strategy, you are equipped, because that's what this podcast is about is equipping manufacturing leaders. So on the last podcast um, that we did in the marketing series, we really touched about um, starting to understand where you stack up against your competition. Competition, right? So that really fuels us to say, okay, this is where we're at in the marketplace. And then, let, the, let me, is that step one of your overall marketing plan? Like when you when you start working with a new manufacturer, that is the step one, the competitive analysis. Well, I, I would kind of say uh, where we started our series is the step, starting with your goals, okay, and understanding your whole business in the business landscape, understanding you know what your sales goals are and how much of that is going to come from a growth from your current customers and retention of your current customers and where you need the new eyeballs. I think that all of us, you know, in mid-market businesses are so busy going day to day at making the stuff that we make that we're not always looking at that high level business on why we do what we do. And you know, and I'm sorry if people feel this to be redundant, but everybody thinks a website's going to solve a problem. No way. And you have to start with a business plan and holistically and, and that has to marketing is just one component being aligned with that nature. So what you started is why are we doing this? Where where's my vision and my goal and where do I want to be and, and how am I going to get there? And then in the how I'm going to get there, that's when we really start with looking our like, okay, where's the market? And now what's important to our target audience? You know, something that's very common with um, manufacturers we work with is they say we work with a a lot of engineers and then we actually get their list and it's uh, uh, mostly procurement. (laughs) So that's great. We're aspirational. But But the engineers are the influencers. So if you if you start conversation with the engineers, they're going to influence the procurement people for sure. Let me tell you. Sadly, most of my clients don't have a lot of the engineers' names or contact information. So in marketing, that's what we're trying to understand is both. Where do we have to be and what do those buyer types want to hear? What do they know about you? What do they need? How do they make decisions? Which really is why we do key stakeholder interviews. Uh, Current clients, lost clients, prospective clients, as well as your internal people. And so that's what we're here to talk about today. But you know, I'm just the high level gal, because I'm the mistress of marketing. She's the pretty face behind all the marketing magic. You know, this face is like really made for TV. You yeah. Know? I, so I, I, I need to be on the Making Ships TV, uh, you well, know, in addition to the we're podcast. on that one. So, so, but what we do have is Red Caffeine is just steeping rich of, and, and Jim, you're always the one to really talk about the, the team that we have here of marketers and technologists. So we have two with us today. You'll remember Casey from last month's podcast on competitive yeah. analysis. As much as she teams up with Dan uh, Mantia, who was uh, also on that last episode, she really is partners in crime with Jimmy Maritello. And so Casey is a content strategist, and Jimmy is our 
digital strategist, technology lead. I'd like to say overall guy in the house that knows your business from A to Z. So they're going to really take over and, and because they're the ones that do the deep dive in talking to the client. So I'd like to hand it over initially to Jimmy Maritello right. and then um, they're going to kind of, you know, talk in tandem. Yeah. Welcome, Jim. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to see you again. Yeah. It's been it's been a, it's been a while, and um, yep. I'm I'm happy to get your voice on our podcast finally uh, after all these uh, months that we've been knowing each oh, other. Definitely. So it's great. So you know, yeah, you know, thank you, Julie, for introducing. But you know, the first thing is, why the heck do we have to interview our current prospective and lost clients? What value do we get from that by doing that exercise? Well, I think there's there's something that, you know, a lot of people are talking about. It's just feedback loops. And you have, you know, your client facing salespeople, you have different people that touch the customer in different places. But what we find a huge amount of value is being like a third party in, in that process. So when we're, you know, given a list of customers, prospects, lost opportunities, like like Julie said, it's um it's a chance for someone who's not in the business, maybe looks at it from a different angle, has you know, a question set that they're armed with that comes at it from those different angles. And they can they can start to bring a different feedback loop into your company. So we're we're trying to identify perceptions they might have about you or about you, the market. Do you think it's easier for this third party company to interview those people because they're they're not as resistant to they, they don't want to hurt my feelings because I can't call them and say, hey, how did I do? Uh, how am I doing? Am I late? Is my uh, is my uh, are my jobs crap or whatever, but they're going to be more easier. They're going to be freer with their to tell you. Eventually, it's going to get back to me, and they should know that unless they tell sure. you, please don't say anything. But at the end of the day, it's going to come back. No, I, I definitely think that there's something to that, yeah. for sure. Yeah, in our experience, um, just acting as a third party, people tend to be a little more candid with us. And often they may be like, oh, no, you could tell them it's for me. They'll know exactly what I'm saying. But a lot of times also they'll be like, oh, well, if my name is not going to be attached, like I'll tell you how I really feel with whether they are positive or they're also often threats or um, opportunities for things that maybe we're not doing quite so great right now, but we could improve on moving forward. Hmm. See, and I, I, I was a little bit resistant to this because I didn't think it was going to be effective. I really didn't. But at the end of the day, why don't you, can Casey or Jimmy, can you tell us a success story that one that really resonated with you, if you can remember one um, over the recent months that you called a specific client's customer or prospect sure. or warm lead and they said this and you brought it back to your client and they were like, wow. Well, I think there's a few examples of this. I know that one... Um, you know, we're in the process with a few clients right now where we're actually getting a lot of great detail. We're digging up a lot of different things. Um, and they're actually sort of beating on the door saying, like, I'd really like to connect about this topic, you know, based on, you know, some of the questions we've been asking. But I think for some of the manufacturers that we have that have like a really technical uh, perspective and we're talking to someone who is who is technical is buying, you know, certain products or services that have a real complex, uh, you know, set of factors. I mean, we're we're getting. I'm not going to say exactly what it is, but right. we're we're getting you know excellent feedback on you know I'd like this with this delivery, or I'd like that with this type of touch afterwards so that I know how to use it. And so I think that there's a lot of great success stories where we're we're understanding you know what's the education that they want behind the service or product that they're buying, 
So yeah, I can't really say specifically, but I, right. I can say I, that I respect that, that. Definitely, you know, it's and it's it's that kind of angle that you know they might not the client I should say right. our client in that case they might not necessarily be thinking like I I can just straight up ask this person. And I I have another example. So this client, they over the years had acquired multiple different locations across the country. However, the company was not necessarily operating as one company across all different locations. So something we were able to learn in the interview process were perceptions of strengths and weaknesses of the different locations across, but then also really get a better understanding of the needs of their different buyers. And because they really they had two different main audiences and those audiences had completely different needs. So one was much more... Um, product focus and the other was much more service focused. So coming out of that, we were able to recommend a new brand architecture. So instead of having one brand as a company, we were able to re-architect to have a company um, corporate brand, which serviced the customer service oriented um, buyer type, and then a product brand for their distributor partnerships who were really concerned about uh, the buying experience for the end user. And they really wanted a solid product brand that their customers could identify with, with all the proper information and specific things on the uh, on the packaging. And we were able to learn exactly, this is what we would like to see on the package. And that really was only relevant to the one buyer type. So by re architecting a corporate brand and a product brand, we cool. were able to pretty cool. much cut the fat of what was not relevant to the to each buyer type. And people know exactly what they're going for, whether it's the product brand or the corporate brand. Awesome. Thank you for that. Julie's got something to say about this. Sorry, I just got to pipe in no, here. So I kind of going back to old school gym car days too. Yeah. And we talked about how sometimes a differentiation is a really hard challenge in certain marketplaces. Sure. And particularly with you and CNC. Um, machine shops, one of the things I think a couple of things that we identified out of some of your interviews was your communication challenge. That communication was very important to people, knowing where they were at, as well as to the um, case study that you referenced earlier today mm-hmm. was how you um, protect your parts and what is the financial impact of that. So as a result of some of the interviews, that was a recommendation was to do the case study on how we protect your parts. Mm-hmm. So those are the types of, of of really great outcomes that are derived from these interviews. Great. If I wanted to do this by myself, where would I start? Well, as Julie loves to say, it all starts with a list. So often our clients don't always have their customers and their prospects and their lost clients on a list and even better segmented based on industries or titles. So it starts with organizing who you want to talk to. And even when you develop this list, like you have to understand that not every person is going to be open or receptive to giving this feedback. So if you have a decent um, list that you're able to reach out to, there's better chances of you getting a higher quantity of quality interviews. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the the quantity and quality thing comes up a lot you know people are wondering you know what's a st- statistically significant you know grouping of feedback but it's not necessarily about that it's just when you can identify quick um, changes that you can make within your process that address if you, if you I mean if you have 10 key customers that are telling you the same thing do you really need it to be a statistically significant no. Obviously, uh, amount if, of feedback. Ten, if 10 people so, are saying the same right. thing, you better do something about Correct. it, right? Exactly. Good, good or bad. Right. I mean, it's pretty... So big impact there. It's pretty ironclad. Yep. If, if everyone's screaming the same message, 
that that that's where you need to go for sure. So then when you actually start developing the question sets, there's um, obvious things that you want to pull away when developing marketing strategies, such as perceptions, strengths, opportunities, weaknesses, threats. But this is also your opportunity to ask your existing clients about a process that perhaps you've been working on or a um, service that you were providing and if it is effective or if they have any other feedback and areas for improvement, whether it is a process or if it's a communication. Mm-hmm. I've heard Julie mention this many times. What, what is a buying trigger when, you're, when you have a client that gets triggered to buy? What are those things? And how do we as businesses set up buying triggers for those people to pick up the phone or send the purchase order or send the RFQ? Or what What are a few of those things that can you kind of like break it down for me a little bit? Well, I think there's there's a couple examples. I mean, if you have engineering, you know, if there's something you know, with product development where, you know, we we need this exact part, you know, that's that's something that could be a simple buying trigger. But I think it goes it goes back to like what they're actually looking for in that research phase, and if they're if they're shopping for different supplier for you know X Y and Z. I mean, obviously, there's on the procurement side if if it's sort of an automated thing, like they know that they have to keep a min max of of inventory. You know, the buying trigger is pretty much set in that in that case. But right, I think we're right, looking right. for the sort of intangibles that that might come up in that engineer's process. So if they're working in a team and um, somebody's been assigned to go and do some due diligence about something, you know, what is it that they're looking for and, and how does your product or service meet that need at that exact moment? Um, and this, that, that's really... So it's a sudden thing that happens, right? I mean, and it, I mean, yeah. it can happen over time, but, right. but, but for sure there's, there's something about, you know, that evaluation process when they're looking at car, machine and tool versus someone down the street. What is the thing that's in their mind that says, all right, well, I'm going to actually call him, you know, whether that's the, the brand perception or if it's the... Sorry, Julie's. <laughs> no, I I totally get that, Jim. Thank. You. No, yep. I appreciate that because I you know I've heard I've heard that come up many times, and I'm, you know, you know, as a manufacturer and the manufacturers that are listening to the show right now, we get confused by some of the words that you marketing people use, and uh, you know, it, sometimes it's daunting and it's a little overwhelming because we're trying to juggle, you know, plus or minus a half a thousandth and surface feet per minute and chip per tooth and, you know, GNM code programming. And then, and then we start talking with our marketing people and they're talking about buying triggers and influencers. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of words that get us confused. So that's why I think it's important to break these things down for us. Julie. And you know me, I am like, I always say I'm like the guinea pig in my company because uh, everybody's a lot smarter than me. But sometimes business triggers are something as simple like you're in automated equipment, right? And so how often does a person purchase a new piece of equipment or how often does a piece of equipment need a, a, a retooling? And, you know, we always go back and say people p- purchased also when they're either pissed off at their current vendor or they have a new product or service that's, you know, offering. And so those are the types of things that we're trying to figure out. Um, I'm surprised you didn't ask about this, Jim Carr. Pain point. Pain yeah. Points, <laughs> pain that one I got. That one I got. That, well, that, I, you know, and that is, that is funny because when I do talk to a warm prospect. I, just the other day, I had one, and I said, "What is your pain point with your current vendors?" Because at the end of the day, I want to do exactly what that 
vendor is doing for them because it's causing them pain. That's why he's calling me. So I have to take away the pain and make that potential customer happy. And I have to assure him that I can take away that pain that when you work with me, it's not going to be, you're not going to feel that at all. So going back to, um, you've got that list, Casey, what, what are the, what is the next step once you put the list together? So as a third party, something that we really like is when the client actually sends a warm intro, just explaining why are we doing this? So a part of it is a marketing effort, but it's also just, it's a warm touch with your existing clients. Like they just letting them know that you care about their feedback and you're at a point where you're ready to take action to make changes and just improve the company with their pain points and their needs in mind. Yeah. So it's it, you, you send them an email and you say, hey, I want to take 20 minutes of your time, five yeah. minutes of your time in order to just ask you a couple questions in order to service you better. Or I want to ask you a couple questions in order to figure out what we did wrong that we lost your business yeah. or whatever else that might be. Or just ask you some questions as to, you know, what pain do you have with your current suppliers in order to make me better? And I would say a lot of people want to give that kind of feedback, especially if you give that warm intro in I the think, beginning. I think they should also be a little bit flattered. Um, yeah, and, that and, you chose and, them. And, and, yeah. yeah, I think it really depends on how you word that. And we, we're yeah. very careful about that that introduction. Because, um, mm-hmm. I mean, truly, you are wanting their expertise or their insights into the market that you currently don't have. People so, want to talk about how smart they are and how much they they information that they have to exactly. add and how they can help improve you based on their intelligence. So, so we yeah, let you can make them feel mm-hmm. that. And in order to get information from them, that's, you're going to be a step ahead. So, And then you just need to have your questions figured out when you when you go to make that phone call. So something that we actually use that is a tool available to anyone, there's there's a couple that we use in this process. So if you are trying to get a high quantity number of surveys, um, we like to use a tool called Calendly where you can schedule out um, ahead of time with a calendar invite and it will have contact information in there. If they're willing to speak on the spot, that's great too, but often people are busy and they need to make time and uh and that's a great tool that we've been able to Is use. Is it like a calendar invite? Yeah, it's like a calendar invite, but it also shows... I mean, I've heard of it before. Sure. I've yeah. just never engaged it's, um, with it. It essentially lets them select a time slot. Okay. And you can do it in oh, kind of a, sure. a team round robin. like a doodle? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So, I mean, and then on that note, the tools conversation there, uh, we use SurveyMonkey for manual entry. So I think people are... This often comes up. It's like, are you going to just send out a link to this survey and... Hope, hope that people take the time out of their day to actually manually fill these in. Well, our process is usually about around having a conversation and trying to dig as deep within the question set that's defined, but have more of a conversation and, and dig as deep as we can. Yeah, uh, I would say that if, if you, having a, doing a survey, I mean, yeah, it's oh, okay. God, but I mean, yeah, because there's so many follow-up questions that you can have when, you're, when you have that one-on-one conversation with somebody that you just, you can't get out of a survey. I hate answering surveys. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even do it anymore. It takes the like burden off of the Delete. Them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's... They're just you just don't get as much out of it. So. so you're answering the survey monkeys for them while you're on the phone. Yeah, and it's and then you're you're getting the metrics. Yep, and the exactly. You get all the benefits. All then you've got a full. Th- yeah, that's awesome. all the benefits of 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 uh, having all that aggregated, and you you can keep it organized. I mean, it's a lot better than managing a word doc of. What what, what I've done, and you know, maybe it's a little archaic, but I'll just I'll put together like an Excel spreadsheet and put you know um, either the clients on the left or the clients at the top, and the questions on the other spot, and just you know start putting the answers in there. Sure, it seems to work out pretty well. Yeah, it's all about you know getting the process started. I think that 
it's uh, there are easy things like Julie was saying you you can do right out of the box those kinds of things whatever works for you so that you can get that feedback it's it's excellent yeah and start with the you know I I would suggest starting with those clients that you're most uh, intimately familiar with the ones that you're like can kind of do the test and the trial run through and get comfortable because once you get comfortable doing this five times it just becomes natural and then mm-hmm. you know even the guy that you don't have a good relationship with you can you can go through those questions very easily and I actually think that the people that you don't have the best relationships with are often the ones that you learn the most valuable information because it's where did this go wrong what what could we do that we can improve on so that we can make sure that this doesn't happen again or is it something that we can salvage now and address so that we can move forward both amicably and you know there's really a great sales touch to that too especially with the lost clients and especially when you're talking about procurement sometimes those people are gone or sometimes they don't remember what they were mad about so it is such a unique soft sell way to be able to really reach back out and so i always say take that out of your marketing budget put in your sales budget and and uh take this as a serious tool yeah so i just have one more question so once we get all these things and we've got all these metrics in place and what is typically the first thing, the first call to action from getting all this aggregate information? Sure. Um, well, internally, I mean, this is part of our process. You can use them in, in a lot of ways. Um, and we, we deliver the feedback back to our clients in, in a few different ways. But one of the biggest things is to start to create what we call a buyer persona from from this feedback there's another word um that's yeah buzzword but um but i mean and and it can take a lot of different forms i mean we've we've changed and we've evolved ours too to make them more effective um when we're thinking through um you know not just putting you know somebody's face up there and and talking through the details that we've like kind of aggregated um but it's it's about you know what what is the the customer journey these days so where do they start their research where do they start to boil it down to just a couple people um, that are in the running for this purchase, let's say, and then you know what happens after the sale. So, like, if, is there a certain management in that relationship that we can improve on, and where can marketing, branding, different different elements of technology add value to that process along the way? And what is their ideal communication? How often do they want to be reached out to after the sale was made, or um, what kind of feedback would they be willing to provide after to just ensure continual improvements? Great. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. I, pre- I appreciate you coming in and sharing your expertise with us in the Metalworking Nation. It's always a pleasure to be here at Red Caffeine. And and as we talked about in our last podcast, sometimes this is a little bit difficult to discern over you know listening. So we're going to provide a tool that is just some basic, common questions that will get you thinking about the questions you can ask. That's your springboard. And then you can really customize that based on your own effect. But most often, I I want you to leave with a takeaway. The questions that really you should be asking and focusing on is what is the perception that people have of you? Is it, you know, high priced or delivery? And then you can start thinking about how you can react to that, how you position yourself different on the website or or a case study like Jim did. Um, Do they know everything about you? Um, That's another great question and it can really result into sales. I'm always thinking about how can it turn into sales quickly if they know only um, that you do metal stamping and not injection molding, but now they knew both. Um, 
And then um, the other thing I don't want to forget is influencers. Where do they go for influence? Mm-hmm. What trade shows do they go to? Where they go online? You know, where do they participate in social networks or LinkedIn groups? So when we are developing content, we can be there in front of them. So those are a couple of things that you could take away right now and go do it and have do a it. great, great time doing it. Great. <laughs> Thanks, Julie. Always a pleasure to see you. Seriously. Thank you again for having us back on Making Chip. Yeah. Thank you. Next month, we'll see you again. Can't wait. Yeah. And with that, if you're not making ships, you're not making money. Bam. Bam. This podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry. We want to hear from you, the owners, managers, leaders, and engineers from the metalworking nation. What ideas do you want to share and what keeps you up at night? We want you to take something away from this podcast that you can use to improve your company, your team, and yourself. So let us know what you want to hear, and we'll see you next time on Making Chips. 